Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with professional presence expert Catherine Lazarek. She comes from a performance and education background with a bachelor's degree in both music and education from the from the University of British Columbia. Before starting her business in 2007, she divided her time between singing in the opera, teaching music to primary school students, and even did a stint in corporate training at one of the big five accounting firms. She's got a great story, great energy. Enjoy this interview. Hello, Joe. Hi, Catherine. What's going on? <laughs> What's going on? It's a beautiful sunny day in Vancouver. Okay. Almost the weekend. I like it. Already. Yeah, it's great. I, I, What's going on I, with you? Everything's good. I'm here in Kansas City. The sun's shining here. So, yeah, nice. we're in good shape. You know? Cool. It's Very a good, good. start. Good. I, I'm a big fan of how the Canadian mindset works with the arts. Like, I I, I have a jazz show. Lots yeah. of artists get grants. You have socialized mm -hmm. health care. Gun reform happens after massive incidents happen in our country, but don't happen here. It just makes sense to me. Yeah. I Well, I like it. <laughs> there, there's a responsiveness there's a civic um, good. There's, mm -hmm. there's. I mean, it's one thing for the government to say that the arts mean something, but it's another when they actually do give out monies and understand that there's a healthy benefit to all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's partly um, the way that Canada was founded versus the way that the states were founded. Yeah, uh, because the principles are different, right? Like our yours are life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and ours are peace, order, and good governance. Oh, so good governance is actually built into the fabric of the way our institutions run. So there's a, even though we have our provinces across, there's a collective sense still of being Canadian. And I'm learning more about the states because I'm doing more work down there and meeting more people down there. Um, and I didn't know stuff like if you live in New York and then you move to California, you still have to pay taxes in New York, like things like that, that are like about the tax structure and everything that are so heavily geared towards the individual that it's a wonder that that you get anything done at all. <laughs> I'm like all these different states pulling in all different directions. I'm like, wow, there's there's just this not the sense of there's just not a sense of collective. Like unless you're looking in the religious communities, which I think the states relies on a lot of their religious communities to pick up the slack. But then you end up with theocracy because you can't separate your state and your church. So it's tricky. What a great explanation. I had no, I mean, I've brought this up to a lot of Canadians before, and this is the best explanation that I've gotten of like the principles and all of that. But yeah, it is, it is a wonder that America gets anything done and you can really see it firsthand. If you go into a DMV, it's bad. <laughs> You're like, what is going on here? Go into a DMV, like the, mar the motor vehicles department. Yeah. It's bad. Said? Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. And I have a, I have a son with special needs. He's 18. He's on the spectrum and to try to get services and things going the bureaucratic tape is unreal. It's like yeah. you, you just get to a point where you're like, why, why am I doing it? You know? So. Right. Right. Well, I, I don't know. I kind of feel, <laughs> okay. This might be a bit controversial, but I, I think there's a little bit in the American psyche where like, if it's not hard, it's not worth it. And I'm right. like, not everything has to be so hard. I know. It could just be collective. I know. <laughs> way easier. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of the, hoping we're moving out of this out of this age. Well, I think that we are. I'm not hoping we are. I know we are moving out of the age of compartmentalization. Like yeah. we're we're moving out of it and, and everything's becoming more integrated. And I think people that feel safe when they're compartmentalized are really having a hard time now. Like I have a ton of empathy for leaders that are like business leaders, community leaders, um, you know, political leaders that are successful or have been successful in that old system of hierarchy authority compartmentalization and they are not 
yet adjusted to the new leadership, which is integrated, relational, and whole. Um, I'm writing about this now, actually. I, my book is going to be released in probably second quarter 2024 yeah. um, on this whole person, whole presence philosophy where it, where you cannot be fully present unless you're whole. And whole doesn't mean finished. It just means that you are considering all the aspects of yourself and bringing all of that to the world. And I feel like, yeah, those the people that were successful in that place of armoring, that place of I'm separate, uh, you know, I don't want anybody to see me. I think they're having a really hard time right now. And I have a lot of a lot of empathy for that. And I'm super glad that people like me that are like, let's get it on are like, <laughs> like, all the people that were like, oh, it's too much. It's like, oh, find less. Like now everybody's <laughs> all of us that are like more out there are like, yeah, my time yeah. has come. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Well, let's get to the essence of exactly what you do. So I'm going to hypothetically put you in front of a bunch of third graders. Career Aww. day. Okay? <laughs> okay. One of the kids looks up and says, hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer that child? I help women get better jobs faster so they can be really great leaders and we can have men and women leading the country. So when you were in the third grade, what did you want to be when you grew up? A singer. Okay. <laughs> An artist. I uh, I started, I mean, my first career was in the opera. So okay. I studied for the opera and I sang and I taught elementary, elementary school music um, for a long time. And I really wanted to, I really wanted to do that. But I think some of it was some of the, like, I've always been a singer and an artist, and that's kind of my jam. But my parents are really conservative in their thinking. Not like they, they both have steady jobs. You know, they're union workers. My mother was a teacher. My father um, was a, a boilermaker, which is a, a welder. And they have a pension and they're snowbirds. Like, they just have a really linear kind of life. And then I come along. And if you imagine all of this, like, in a three-year-old, like, poor parents, right? <laughs> not that easy. Um, and I think they, they, you know, bless them. They just did not have the skill set, which I mean, who did, right? Boomer parents, nobody really had that. Well, I can't say nobody because there are some parents that had a different skill set. Um, they just didn't have the skill set to deal with somebody like me. So I didn't have any model of artistry. I didn't know how that would work. Of course, now I have many friends who are professional musicians. I see how it works, right? It's a combination of teaching and coaching and performing. And there's other things, you know, session recording. I see that life now. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. Yeah. And I think part of my drive to the opera was reactive. My, I grew up on country music. So I grew up listening to Johnny Cash, George Jones, you know, Reba McIntyre, like all, and Dolly Parton, like all the classic, you know, Porter Wagoner, even, you know, and sort of a little bit earlier before my time listening to the classic country because my dad loved country music and i think going to the opera was a little bit reactive yeah. like i'm gonna get as far away from <laughs> what you like as possible mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until i was singing in san francisco in a summer company there that i i we, we were just sitting around at lunch you know in between rehearsals you know rehearsals and um this really great bass singer and i were chatting and talking about country music and this mezzo-soprano she's like why do you like that <laughs> like well, I said, country and opera are the same thing. She goes, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean they're the same thing? I said, they're all talking about the same thing. Family, love, mm -hmm. my dog, my house, loss, like gain, like all, you know, conquering things, striving. Country and opera have the same exact themes. It's only that country, I believe, tries to drive to the simplest expression, the most pure, beautiful, three-chord 
expression of those ideas. They're really down in the heart. And then opera just magnifies it to its most extreme. So being a person who enjoys duality, I loved both sides of that. Yeah. It was it's really fun to be a little person and make a shit ton of noise. Yeah. I think the last time I was tested on my decibels, it was like 95 decibels of sound. That's a lot of sound. Yeah, and it's yeah. fun. It's like an athletic endeavor. So yeah, so I mean that's where I started. And then uh because I just couldn't see it, couldn't really be it. And I don't think I loved the opera enough to want to do it full time. Like I had my friends loved it. Yeah. And I could see what they were doing. But then I realized as I was freelancing, I'm like, I would do all my business stuff in the morning, do all my marketing, do all the stuff, do the emails, do the PR. And I'm like, all the scheduling. And I'm like, oh, I really love this. And then it would come time to practice in the afternoon. And I'd be like, meh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really want to do that. So I did some producing and other kinds of things. But um, yeah, so I was in those careers. And then I had a lung tumor. Wow. And my husband was like, these jobs are literally suffocating you. Like both yeah. opera and school, like teaching in school, they're pretty narrow they're kind of small box careers. Yeah. And I'm not a very good small box person, but it, it took that to kind of wake me up. Yeah. And go, <clears throat> this is not for you. So I left. Like I had tenure. I would have to kill somebody to get fired. And teachers are paid decently up here. And I was like, I can't do it. And so I left and I concentrated on my health. And six months later, the tumor was gone. And I had a job doing corporate training at PricewaterhouseCoopers, which is like a big accounting firm, like yeah. a professional services firm. Um, <clears throat> and I worked with a coach in between there. And then he said, um, what do you want to be when you grow up, little lady? One day, one of our sessions. And I was like, well, today I'd be like, don't talk to me like that. You're fired. Yeah. But back then I just laughed and I was like, hee -hee. and I had this weird vision. I don't know how you roll, but, but I, you know, I had, the, it was weird. I've never had a vision like that before. And I had never have, haven't had one since, but I literally had this download of the first company name I ever used and the first tagline I ever used, which was ICU image consulting. <laughs> the first tagline was intensive care for your image. And I just laughed because I'm like, that's not even a job. Like <laughs> who does that job? Whatever. Yeah. And he goes, no, it's like, you could do that job. And because there's zero regulation in that industry, like you can hang a shingle out tomorrow and say I'm an image consultant and nobody would blink. Like it's completely unregulated. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know. I look all right. I've read some books and I'll look all right. I'll, I'll get a website and some business cards and start practicing. So that's what I did. Wow. And I built my business up around my day job and I worked evenings and weekends for a couple of years to make it go. And then when I lost my job at my day job in the recession, like in 2009, 2008, 2009, I'm like, well, I guess this is a great time to start an image consulting business. Yeah. And my husband, bless him, he said, told me a couple of years ago, actually, he's like, when you said you were going to do that, I thought you were crazy, but I didn't say anything. And like, here we are. So yeah. what happened was I started up in straight image consulting and I never, I don't love the rules of image consulting. It always kind of bugged me that we operate in a judge a book by its cover world, even though we shouldn't do that. But yeah. so I, I always railed against that a little bit. But what I found was that's just a vehicle. I don't, all it is is a vehicle for self-expression like any other vehicle. And the yeah. closer you can make your insides and outsides align and make you feel good and make the world know you, it's easier for you to get along in life. Like, I, I think that the world doesn't make mistakes, right? Like, like whatever container you're here in is the perfect container to do whatever you're meant to do on the planet. So the sooner you make friends with it, the easier your life is going to roll. Yeah. Um, and then my clients went up the chain and they're like, we want you to come work with our executive teams. And, uh, 
we're tired of explaining to the people who write the checks that you're not really an image consultant. So can you change your company? I'm like, sure. So I changed it to Lazaric Consulting and now I can do what I like, not sort yeah. of bound by any any trends or anything. But so it's a combination of coaching and consulting that I do now. But my favorite thing is just shaking the tree. I love to shake the tree, be a little bit like be a challenger. But I aim for sort of like 10% like over the line, but like 10% over the line. Yeah. Like 15% over the line. So it's not so far over the line that it's really alienating people. Although sometimes alienating people is not a bad thing, but yeah. Right. I try to aim for that because I think we need to be challenged and we need to bring everybody along. Yeah. We need to bring all the people, like people who are scared, people who are sad, people who are mad, people who are like ready to work. We need to, we need everybody now and everybody has a, has a part to play. So I think finding this collective piece instead of just following the loudest voice um, is is important, but it's harder to do that. So we're going to need to pull on our relational skills more than ever to to relate to one another. And yeah. It's not easy. So we have we have a big task ahead of us, but I think we can do it. I think people are resilient and people want to learn and people yeah. want to do they like they do what makes sense to them. Yeah. So even though it seems crazy to you, it's like, well, this person must have some belief that's running this system. So what is that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Who's been a motivator, or a hero for you in your life? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, who was my, one of my first motivators was Lisa Nichols. She's okay. like from the secret. This is like, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago. Uh, and what I really liked about her was she was sort of gritty, like so gritty. And she has like an unrelenting kind of positivity, but it comes from adversity which I appreciate. And I liked her no matter what, like her book, no matter what was one of the first things I came across when I was in the early days of my business. And it was not easy. I definitely had like a dark night of the soul. I remember one night in particular, you know, I'm, I'm in debt, trying to finance things myself because women do a lot of their own bootstrapping. Men will get other people's money. Yeah. Um, women don't think that way. Um, but I was yeah, like literally like snot, ugly crying on the floor, like, okay, universe, you got me into this. Like you need to do something. Like, send me a sign, send me some clients, like, you know, and um, a couple things showed up. And one of them was Lisa with her book, No Matter What. And I heard her on a, I don't know, I had an audio recording of her somewhere. I think I bought her CD and I listened to it all, like, just listened to it on repeat, just to try to soak in this sense of I can do itness. Because even though my, my sort of childhood was like, my parents didn't, I don't know, it's sort of like, we don't always get the nurturing we need. And of course, we know more about psychology now. So you know, we know more about development. But even though you're successful, you don't always get what you need to build up the inner truth of that, mm -hmm. right? The inner acceptance, the inner like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. And I'll be okay no matter what. And it's not tied to my accomplishments. Like, I'm okay. Um, so she really helped me kind of build that. Um, yeah, and then my friends showed up my entrepreneurial friends, because they all looked all shiny on the outside. And then all these stories started percolating out of, oh, yeah, I worked evenings and weekends at Earl's for three years to make my business go. And oh, yeah, like the first time I went out on my own, I lasted six months and then a job at the bank. And this is my friend. Um, she said to me, she goes, yeah, you just do whatever it takes to keep going. She goes, you will feel like a big failure, but don't. You just do what it takes to keep going. And if that means if you're going on something on your own and you need to get a day job for a bit, get a day job. Yeah, It's not the end of the world. You're not yeah. trapped in that. And if you're the kind of person who wants a day job and wants predictability and wants to stay stable and loves that, 
go get that. Yeah. Don't let anybody tell you that you have to be something extraordinary, like something outside the realm. I, I really think it's the ordinary people doing ordinary things that makes the world extraordinary. Yeah, for sure. If you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now and spend a little time with them, who would it be? Uh, it would be the Obamas, I think. That's probably gonna yeah. get me shot if I go back to go back to Texas. I don't know. Um, I, you know what? I, you know what I think it is. You know why them? I think it's because they were uh, showing an example of balanced leadership, mm-hmm. right? As caught as they are in the political forces that, because you know, countries have a mind of their own and an energy of their own. So only one person can only do so much within the framework that they're given. But I think that they you know, they're, they showed a good family example. They were decent. They appear to be decent people. I hope we never find out otherwise. I hope they're not doing some shady shit in the background. Cause that's oh, so man, sad. Me too. like when someone's like, you know, when, when somebody pulls a Bill Cosby on you, you're like, Oh uh, yeah. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Bill. Like, Oh, why, why, why? you got to like that? Why? God dang it. Right. So yeah. close. I know. <laughs> so uh, I would want to spend some time with them because I think that they are, showing a deeply human they're polished they seem real they're showing a more human way to lead and they seem like like fun i think they would be fun yeah i do too that's yeah. one of the reasons why i've asked this question they would be yeah. on the top of my list of people i would love to meet yeah um yeah so you're a music fan i'm curious if we get off the phone and that DeLorean from Back to the Future pulls up, doorbell rings, and they're like, come on in. And you can go anywhere and see a show. Where are you going to go? Who would you love to see? Oh, love to see. <laughs> okay. Two, th- two things popped into my mind. All right. The first was I would go back and watch Mozart play live. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I would want to see that. Although, again, they always say you should never meet your heroes, right? Because yeah, maybe correct. he would be a despicable pig. I don't know. <laughs> but I would want to see like that level of spark in in person i think it would be very interesting to be around that um and then i would like to see i'd like to see dolly parton at the grand Ole opry like yeah she was starting out because talk about decent people again like she's she's actually someone so if it wasn't the obamas i would want to hang out with dolly it's her whole thing so weird those two answers are like a part of my universe this morning my wife has a friend and her dog's name is dolly parton and i was like (laughs) I was like, what would Dolly think about that? Um, and then I was just interviewing. It. Yeah, I was just interviewing someone about going to Italy. And I went to Vatican City years ago. I had a pen pal in high school, you know, in the days when you used to write letters. And I went and visited yeah. her in just south of Florence. And I went to Rome. And yeah. I was there one night and I'm walking around Vatican City. And there was a Vivaldi show and there was an operatic singer in there. And oh, it just kicked my yeah. ass. Like I was just sitting there, like, yeah, right? oh man, I've never oh. felt music in that way, you know. So anyway, yeah. it, it's interesting that you said kind of the antiquity, mm. and then Dolly Parton, the dog in person. So it was cool. <laughs> yeah, I know it's a little <laughs> bit of both. I think the thing, the thing that I love about opera that I'm not sure everybody understands is that I think opera is either transcendent or awful. <laughs> like, yeah. Definitely. There are some bits about opera. It's like, whoa, that that's like not vibing with me. But when it is transcendent, it is transcendent in no other, like no other art form. I remember sitting in a show here in Vancouver. Um, it was a Madame Butterfly. And oh my gosh, I can't believe the soprano's name is escaping me right now. 
oh, oh, it'll pop it'll in my come head back at, at a weird time. time. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and she was singing and she did the, the last part. And the way that the stage had been set up is when she dies, they had the chorus members pulling swaths of red fabric out to show her blood right after she's killed herself. And they pulled it out and her, her, the high, beautiful, the, 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 the legato, the line was just like, like she reached right into my guts and went, oh, yeah. I was so moved in that moment. And I think my husband and I have had lots of conversations about art because he's a film editor and we've gone to see some dance because my, my daughter's friend, my, my dear Fries, my friend niece Fries is a dancer and my friend is a dancer. And so we've gone to see some dance and we talk about this because he's, my husband is like, like we went to see the Nutcracker and I was like, huh, okay, what's, what, what, why is this popular? Because it's like, they had this little show. And then at the end, it's like a dance teacher was like, hey, we need to do a dance recital. We want to add something to it. Let's just pretend it's a party, <laughs> a dance show. And I'm like, okay. Anyway, David and I talk about it. And he, and he's like, I don't think, I said, I wish I knew more about dance so I could appreciate it more. Yeah. In the same way I feel that way about opera. And he's like, I don't think that that's true. He goes, I think art should move you and you shouldn't need to know anything about it. Yeah. To have it move you. And that's for the two of us now, it's like the bar for us is, did it move me? So was it an Adam Sandler movie that I laughed my ass off at? Yeah, it moved me. Is it Ted Lasso who's like doing amazing things? It moved me. Is it this? Oh, my friend. So you probably know Francois Ull. And if you don't, you might want him on your show because he's amazing. Clarinet, jazz clarinet player, fantastic composer, okay. very avant-garde, yeah. um, fantastic person. And we went to his show called The Secret Lies of Color where he did this collaboration with a woman, I think also from Italy or maybe from Germany, anyway, in Europe, where she was researching the history of color. Yeah. And then he was commissioned to write pieces that played the color, like that synesthesia thing, right? Yeah. And it, and it, I don't care what it is, if it moves me somehow, if it disgusts me, if it enraptures me, if it excites me, then, then, I, then I think that's good art. That is good art. If I stand in front of something and I'm taken in, yeah. I mean, lilac blossoms can do it too. So that's nature's art, but it's, yeah. it has to move me or nothing. I dig it. I dig the cerebral vibe. Yeah. So speaking of being moved, what, what are you the proudest of that you've done in your life so far? <laughs> I'm super proud of 28 years of therapy. All right. <laughs> like 20, well, not 20 years of therapy, uh, but like 20 some years of therapy. I am proudest of the ability to dig. To be like, there is something wrong in how I'm thinking here. There is something like, there's nothing wrong with me as a person, but there's something wrong with the way I'm interacting with the world or the way like there's something that I need to heal and I need to figure out in order for me to reach my full potential. Yeah. And so I would say I'm the proudest. I'm kind of a personal work junkie. Like I just love stuff about relationships and how to, how to be a better people, right? <laughs> how do, how do we be a better person? Love that stuff. Um, whether it's spiritual or physical or mental or any of those things. So I'm I'm most proud of making it out alive, right? My record for getting through bad days is 100%. Even though there have been some very dark moments in my life, like even yeah. just just this past December, I was in a full-on, I'm going to drive my car off this bridge and die. Like, it was not good. Yeah. And thank God I have good friends. I didn't want to go to my husband because I didn't want to freak him out. Yeah. But I had my writing coach that I called and my friend that I called. And I'm like, I need you. I need you to pull me out of this because it's not looking good. Yeah. Um, 
and in my business, you know, it was tricky with my business post pandemic. Yeah. I made some bold choices based on a couple of things, contracts thought would come in and then they didn't come in. So it was like, okay, now I got a, it's almost like a rebuilding phase, which I'm excited about now, but looking that straight in the face, whew, that was tough. It was tough. So, so I'm really proud of that. And I'm proud of my, I'm proud that I wrote some stuff. I wrote some books on yeah. the pandemic. I wrote two long, two collections of long stories and short poems. Excellent. Um, but yeah, most proud is I made it out alive and I'm doing it my way. <laughs> Dead. Like a Frank Sinatra song. Frank so, Sinatra, right? I did it my way. Yeah, I know my right. right. I did it. So let's get the shovel let's get the shovel out. Let's dig into the decades of therapy right now. Everyone has sure. a perception of you. Family, yes. friends, yep. readers, yep. clients, colleagues. Yep. You run the show. What's your yep. perception of you? Who do you think you are? Uh well. <laughs> Since this is my specialty, helping other people do this, I do it for myself too. So when people ask me who I am, I say this. I am firm, fair, and fierce. Which means that I believe what I believe. I believe it firmly. And I will stand up for it. I'm fair in the sense that if I get new information, I'm I'm open to changing my mind. Yeah, I'm always getting new information. My perspectives have changed over the years. I'm open to changing. So I'll be very fair about whatever I hear. And I'm fierce, like, not only like fierce, like, you know, my look and the whole thing, but yeah, also yeah. fierce, like I am fiercely pursuing this existence because I kind of think it's my last go around for a while. I feel like I've been around before, but this is like the last time and I'm, I'm just cleaning house. I'm like yeah. doing some stuff and I really don't want to waste any of it. Mm -hmm. I want to be alive. And so I'm very fierce about that. And then if people ask me to elaborate, I, I say my next three brand words personal words um which are fun i love to have fun uh fecund which is a great word fecund is like fertile earthy creative that's I, a great I, I word fecund. my god good job I love it. yeah it also sounds like one of my other favorite f words but yeah fecund. right it and gets right there <laughs> it gets right in there it's toothy you know i love yes. that and fabulous I love to be fabulous. And and I love like I love um I love simplicity and I also love going over the top. So I'm just as happy like drinking a beer at a gravel pit party in Prince George, which is a small town in BC that I grew up in. Um, you know, drinking beer out of a solo cup. I'm fine there. And I'm also fine going to the opera in a ball gown and I know which fork to use at a state dinner. Like I and I love all of it. And I love pretension especially especially when people know that they're being super pretentious i love that part i'm like i'm so fancy <laughs> yeah right i love yeah. that like i just yeah. love all of it and i love all the aspects of being human so yeah i think i'm i think i'm a challenger that's my thing that's why i'm here on earth yeah and i think i'm a connector so you're just squeezing that lemon over the lemonade and even if someone says there's nothing left you're like get out of here <laughs> i'm going i'm in there <laughs> yep so if anyone wants your book, they want to hire you, they want to know about you, anything pertaining to your world, where do they go? So the best place to go is my website. So I'm going to spell it out. So it's uh, LZ, oh, well, for the Americans in the room, LZRKConsulting.com. And for the Canadians in the room, it's LZRKConsulting.com. Okay. And that's my main business website. And if you go there and you sign up for my newsletter, that's where I talk about events and things like that. And if you want to catch me on social, Instagram, I'm on Instagram, just Catherine Lazarick. Okay. And on LinkedIn, if you're if you want a more professional vibe, yeah. LinkedIn is where I do more of that. 
Uh, and if you want my art books, my collections of poetry. Oh, yeah. It's CatherineLazarek.com. So, yeah, I do a lot of different things. Yeah. I do a lot of different things. But I think that that's, I, I, I feel like I want to live my life as a walking permission slip. Yeah. So that anybody in the world can look at, look at me and go, oh, she can do that? Well, I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, per, you know, if you need permission to do something, just do it. Just go do absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I've gotten to a point in my life where I, 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 I can't read long books like I used to. So I need to get poetry. So right. I'm going to visit. I'm going to get in there. I want to see what you got. So <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. Okay. I'm so let me know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let me I know will. how it goes. Cause I love when people, I love when people respond back and I also love reviews. Like if you happen to, if you happen to read something and my other book, as I said, the whole person book on my business philosophy is coming out uh, next year, but leave a review okay. whenever you're reading an author for anybody, like that helps with algorithms and things like that and oh, buying yeah. power. So super important. I really Absolutely. appreciate it. And, and I love to hear how people received things. Yeah. Did it make it, an impact? Did it help? Yeah, absolutely. It's huge for sure. Catherine, this has been great. Thank you for opening up. You got a great story, great energy, good work. <laughs> Thanks very much. It's so fun. I yeah. love, love, love being uh, like talking to cool people. So it's cool. it's good. And that's that's the thing about talk about therapy. The modern therapy yeah. is podcasting. We're all in different regions in the right. world coming together saying, you know what? We're actually yeah. more alike than we're not. That's right. And you're you not know? alone. And then you're not alone. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we're just going after the same things. So. Oh, cool. Catherine, thank you. You're Have a great very day. welcome. Thanks for having me. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, and music from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Mm -hmm.